It is more than a blessing to be here with you today. Um, I was a literature evangelist for four years. It was through the literature evangelism work that I actually gave my life to God. I'll share that a little bit later. But, um, you know, God is amazing. And once you make that decision to live for Him, He takes you on a journey. And I've been working with different ministries. I've worked with Criston Theme Ministry, Little Light Ministries, uh, Loma Linda University, all the way to Avon Hope. I was their co-outreach coordinator for two years. One of my co-coordinators is over there. And then now I'm the associate director. So evangelism everywhere and more evangelism to come. But um, my goal for you today is that you feel encouraged, blessed, and empowered. But before we begin, I do have to make a very major disclaimer. I am not an expert in school evangelism. Uh oh. I'm not an expert in any form of evangelism. I only know of one who is, and that is God. God alone knows how to reach the human heart and save a soul. We are only co-laborers. So before we begin, let us go ahead and ask our Heavenly Father, the expert, to be here with us today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, um, we come before you knowing how much we need you. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to work in our lives and in our hearts. And if ever we're going to make a mark on campus, it's going to be through your might. So, Father, I ask that the words of John the Baptist be our words that we decrease as you increase. And, Father, I ask that your words be shared today. Lord, teach us how to do evangelism. Teach us how to meet people. You want humanity to reach humanity. So I ask, Lord, that you help us to understand that today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, lambs among lions, on-campus evangelism. So what does this look like? This looks like you, <laughs> This looks like a messy student, but then again, this looks like every student I know. Um, it actually looks like she's about to cram for an exam, if you will. There's even looks like there's energy drinks. Anyone drink energy drinks here? <laughs> Be warned, I'm a nurse, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> but, um... We're busy in school. We get so involved in school that sometimes we can't really see ourselves doing anything but study. In fact, in nursing school, they tell us you need a minimum of eight hours a day, minimum. And so it's hard. We get tunnel vision. We're like, Lord, I barely have time to do personal devotions, let alone evangelism. Why would I even go there? But the thing is, friends, the, the gospel needs to be carried to people. People aren't just going to or we shouldn't just wait for them to come to us, we should come to them. It says here, we are not to wait for souls to come to us. We must seek them out where they are. When the word has begun preached in the pulpit, the work has but just begun. There are multitudes who will never be reached by the gospel unless it is carried to them. Now here's the thing, friends. We have a lot of what I like to call pastor-oriented evangelism. Now, what do you guys think that means? You guys can talk to me. It's fine. Please. The pastor does it all. <laughs> the pastor does it all. Thank you so much. We find someone who's interested in the gospel, and they're a little rough around the edges, and we're like, we know how to deal with you. We will send you to the pastor. <laughs> and then we go to the pastor, and we're like, here you are. And they're like, job well done. Go, pastor, go. And we don't do anything else. And that's the problem, friends. It says here that the pulpit is actually where it just begins. We have a very key role to play in evangelism. Now, turn to your Bibles to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Now, for those of you who have been involved in evangelism, this verse or set of verses 
should be memorized already. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it is the Great Commission, and it was one of the last words that Jesus said to us. So should we pay attention? Yes. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And here we have one command and two promises. One command, two promises. Starting in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them whatsoever I have taught you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so what is our command? Go and tell the world. Yes, you have hope in your life. God has touched your life. Someone else wants to know that hope as well. Because we are investing in a heavenly family when we're doing evangelism here. We want to take as many people as we can with us. So it makes sense to spread the gospel, right? Most people will not come unless they are invited. In fact, all people won't come unless they're invited. So we must invite them. But in order to successfully fulfill this commission, we must understand the two promises beforehand. So verse 18 tells us, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You know, that word power translates to the word exousia, which means strength or influence. So when Jesus says he has all power, he means he has all strength, he has all influence. And when he tells you to go in his stead, he equips you with his exousia. Does that make sense? In other words, he's promising when you go in the name of Jesus, you go with the influence of the divine power to make things happen. There have been many, um, many roadblocks and getting things done in evangelism. But you know, when you serve a God who can make things happen, suddenly all doors are open. Let us not forget, he conquered death. He conquered sin. He created us. What can God not do? I remember we, um, we tried to work with a different, or with a certain school at the university we were working at, and they always shut the door on us. And for a year and a half, we tried to work with this school over and over again. And they kept shutting the door and shutting the door and shutting the door. And we kept praying and we're like, Lord, we need to reach this school. Finally, actually just last year, the doors suddenly opened and they opened quite quickly and they kept opening and opening like, oh, we need to move quickly. And we ended up finding a speaker and this girl, mind you, we had been prepping her for like a year, <laughs> but she was still afraid. You know, afraid is actually an understatement. She was terrified. And she kept texting us, I can't do this. I can't do this. Send me Bible verses. And we did. We flooded her. But when she finally spoke, and she spoke to people in her own school, because we, we try to do student testimonies. And it's powerful. If ever you want to reach students, have students reach students. You know, it's, it's relevant. It helps them to relate more. But we have this girl, and she's quivering as she's speaking. But the Lord uses her powerfully. And at the end of it, they keep telling us, we want you back. We want to see you guys again. And that's all God. That was not human agency. Because we had tried for a year and a half. That was all God's timing. So God can make things happen even when doors seem completely shut. God is able. If you leave with anything today, remember, God is able. Amen. Now, verse 20, our other promise. It says here, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of time. Amen. Now, what does that tell us? It's 
pretty self-explanatory, but what does that tell us? He is with us. No matter what school, church, job you are let into, God will be with you to support you. Evangelism can be difficult. Let's be real. It can be very difficult. You will get frustrated. You will get sad. You will get angry. You might even get prideful, God forbid. But these are all things that Satan will try to throw at you to get you to quit because you are doing the work of God. But friends, be of good courage. When God tells you that he is with you, he means that he is with you. You are not laboring alone. You're not pushing the envelope alone. Even when you were going door to door, for those of you who are literature evangelists, you were not at the doors alone. God was with you every single way. Now, what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen? Amen. So let's put this all together, shall we? Who is the focus here? Jesus is the focus. And when he sends you to your schools or to your work or to your home, he himself is empowering you and he himself is going with you. I used to think that a ministry would start once I entered the room. I know that sounds like a prideful thing, but it's not. Many times we go into a school and we'll be like, now, Lord, things can happen. But we forget God has been working far before we even entered. God has been working on us and he's been working on the territory. And when we leave, God is going to continue the work. So remember, Jesus is in control, friends. Now it says here in Revelation 14, 4 through 5, These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruit unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found how much guile? No guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. I want to be counted in that group. And you know, today God just asks us to follow him, to follow the lamb, whithersoever he goes. And especially during this time in church's history, so many topics are going to be brought up and it's going to come to the point where we're going to be like, who are we following? Culture? Are we following the theme of the day? Or are we following the lamb wherever he goes? And he may go to a place where you may feel uncomfortable. You may go to a place where you feel you won't be useful, but God is going to use you powerfully when you follow him. Amen. It says here, we need not wait till we are translated to follow Christ. God's people may do this here below. We shall follow the Lamb of God in the courts above only if we follow him here. In daily life, or in work life, or in school life, or in relationship life, we must follow his example. Not your mom's example, I'm sure she's a lovely lady. But his example. As a flock trustfully follows its shepherd, his life practice must be our life practice. And as we thus seek to be like him and to bring our wills into conformity to his will, we shall reveal him. Friends, by beholding, we become changed. And the more we behold the Lamb and the more we follow the Lamb, the more we will show the Lamb to those around us. People are not going to be changed by the good that you do, but by the good that God does through you. Amen. So when you show people the Lamb, it's going to make a difference. Now, to have God empower us, He wants to walk with us. And ultimately, He wants to live His life through us. So again, if we are going to be successful and sharing the gospel throughout the world. It's only going to be through complete surrender and a complete committed following of the Lamb. 
And as we behold the lamb, we become like lambs ourselves. Now, a lot of you are probably like, Priscilla, you need to chill. School is not that intense. Well, actually, 1 Peter 5, 8 says otherwise. It says, be sober, be vigilant. In other words, be watchful. Because your adversary, what is adversary? Your enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Mercy. Now, you think he's going to take a break just because you're in school? You think he wants you to get straight A's? He probably does. But for different reasons. And we'll go over it now. <laughs> but I want you guys to know the devil doesn't care about how he gets you. If it's education that will work, it will, it will be education he will use. It says here, the tempter often works most successfully through those who are least suspected of being under his control. Have mercy. The possessors of talent and education are admired and honored as if these qualities could atone for the absence of the fear of God or entitle men to his favor. Talent and culture considered in themselves are gifts of God. But when these are made to supply the place of piety, when instead of bringing the soul near to God, they lead away from him, then they become a curse and a snare. It is a blessing to have an education. Unless, of course, your education becomes your God. Then it becomes a curse. Honestly, culture, intelligence, education, friends, Satan knows about culture. He's been with us since Garden of Eden. He knows how people work. He knows about intelligence. He knows about education. He knows how to get us when we're most vulnerable. And I don't say this to freak you out. I say this so that you can be vigilant so you can be aware. Now, even in our Adventist universities, a lot of people say, well, it's Christian, we're fine. You'd be surprised. There are so many Adventists that deal with depression. I think just two years ago, we had someone commit suicide at one of our campuses. We had another girl who was kidnapped. We had immorality all around. Just because it says Christian doesn't mean it's filled with people who are actually practicing Christianity. And many of them don't know better. I'm not judging them. It's just, it's the way it is. And that's the environment that we have to deal with. But it's about being aware. But be comforted also. It says here, man is Satan's captive and is naturally inclined to follow his suggestions and do his bidding. He has in himself, you and I have in ourselves, no power to oppose effectual resistance to evil. It is only as who? As Christ abides in him by living faith, influencing his desires and strengthening him with strength from above, that man may venture to face so terrible a foe. Every other means of defense is utterly vain. Mercy. Every other means of defense is utterly vain. It is only through whom? Talk to me, guys. It is only through whom? Christ. Christ that Satan's power is limited. Amen. So this we can be comforted with. This is a momentous truth that all of us should understand. Do you guys understand? Yes. Do you need to take a moment with this? I want you guys to get this. I don't want to move on and you to just say like, amen, without really understanding. Do you get that our only means of victory is in Jesus? That means that in and of ourselves, we are weak. We cannot do it. I can't be like, well, I'm pretty awesome at this. I think I'll be fine. It is through Jesus and his merits alone 
that we will ever have the victory that we need. It says here, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly all above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Friends, Jesus is going to do a powerful work in your lives. Wherever you may go, whether it be high school, college, wherever it is, God is going to do something powerfully and transform you into his image. Right now, I don't feel like I represent a lamb very well. But I'm like, you know what? Jesus is working on my heart. And sanctification is the work of a lifetime. We're constantly going to be growing and constantly reflecting him little by little. And God is going to do this. He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, even in our own characters. So I want you guys to be comforted. Even though we have this great controversy, we also have a great hope that overshadows that great controversy. Now, God is calling us to share friends, and he's equipping us as we do because you are lambs among lions, among principles, establishments, people who are influenced by Satan himself, whether they know it or not. Now, this is not an us against them message. This is not going to go there. I don't want you guys to afterwards go to any college, whether secular or not, and be like, so Priscilla said you guys are an apostate. <laughs> you guys are going to burn. No, don't do that. You will get expelled, and then it'll come back to me. It's, it'll be ugly. This is God help us reach others as you reach me message. This is an awareness message, an awareness of how much we need God and how much our universities need God. But... By contrast, when we look more towards the Lamb again, by beholding, we become changed. And we will be seen as lambs among lions. But let's get a little personal. Who here, I, I wasn't, this is bad. I wasn't paying attention when he was taking the role. Who here is in college? Oh, wow, more than I thought. Okay, who here is in high school? All right, raise them proud. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right, well, very cool. How many of you don't know yet what you're doing? Thank you, honest few. All right, now do not raise your hands for this next question. This is a question I actually want you guys to ponder about. How many of you have actually prayed about it? No, no, no raising hands. <laughs> hey, okay. How many of you have actually prayed? Like, God, where do you want me? God, where can I be of most use? Okay, a little bit about my testimony. Um, I grew up in the Adventist church, but I was a nominal Adventist. I sat in church and didn't really take it in personally. And when I was younger, I wanted to be two things. I wanted to be the best film director there ever was and empress of the world. <laughs> Obviously, none of those things happened. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But... That was my goal in life, to become a film director. And, you know, by beholding, we become changed. It goes both ways. By beholding Jesus, we become changed. And by beholding the world, we become changed as well. And the more I beheld the world, the more I wanted to become like the world. And I went through all those stages in high school, colored my hair, had a very bad potty mouth. And when I went into college, it got even worse. I started getting into the wrong crowd. And even in my loudest say, because it was loudest say in lifestyle, I could recognize there was a great controversy and looking at Hollywood, I can be like, okay, there's a great controversy. There's God and there's Satan. And if this isn't glorifying God, it must be by this rule glorifying Satan. Henceforth, if I'm going to be successful, I need to get in touch with Satan. 
So I started getting into demon possession and my writing kind of took off from there. Obviously, I didn't win an Oscar, but in the areas where I actually submitted my work, it was always met with success. And I was like, okay, well, we're on our way to something good. Enter my cousins, David Machado and Christina Machado. And they started to tell me about canvassing. And I thought canvassers were the weirdest people in the world. I'm like, you guys say things like mercy and praise the Lord, and I have no idea what you guys are talking about. And you dress weird and you're vegetarian. Have mercy. But um, I just, I didn't, I didn't understand any of the reasoning behind that. And they kept telling me about it and telling me about it and telling me about it. And finally, I remember it was during midterms, I was like, Lord, well, I realized I didn't ever pray to God and expect him to answer. I would always pray and then turn the movies on or pray and then turn my radio on and get into my possession or pray and start writing. I would just completely just, well, I said my two second prayer for the day, I'm done. And that was it. But I, I recognized that. I recognized I needed to actually pray. And so for the first time in a long time, I prayed to God and I was like, God, I know that if I give you my life, that means I need to give you everything in it. That means my dreams, my aspirations, everything. But I know that my family and I need you much more than I want this. And so I'm going to sign up, but you need to show me that you're worth it. And the very next day, friends, it was a miracle. Like things happened in my family's life that I didn't think would happen. Boom, another miracle. Boom, another miracle. And within a month or two months span, all these things happened that I could only overwhelmingly say, God is real and he loves me. Amen. And I need to get to know him. I went into the canvassing world completely open and I had two instances where God showed me exactly where he wanted me to go. I couldn't go back into film, obviously, right? I was like, Lord, I didn't go in there with the right purpose. I don't see you leading there. I never asked you to lead before, but I don't, I just, I don't see you leading. So I need to know where you want me to go. And I remember my sister told me about nursing. Now, let me tell you something. I never wanted to be a nurse. It was the one thing where people would be like, I'm a nurse. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm never going to study that. <laughs> no, I entertain people. I don't save them. And that was like my slogan. But I was like, I'm never going to be a nurse. I will never touch it. I will never look at it. No to drugs. You know, and that was my thing. But my sister kept saying, you know, nursing, nursing, nursing. And I was like, well, we'll see what God says. And I was canvassing one day and I was like, Lord, I don't know what to do with my life. I want you to surprise me. Today, that's all I'm going to ask. I'm not, I don't want a dump bag. I don't want a three book set. I just want you to surprise me. You can do whatever you want. It can be a dump bag. It can be five. Hey, if it was five, it'd be good. But whatever you want. And so I kept going through that throughout the day. Lord surprised me, Lord surprised me, and nothing was happening. And then finally, the second to the last door, this woman, she was kind of interested, kind of not, but I went, she was in a duplex. So I went to her neighbor and her neighbor came out. And for some reason, the woman was outside of her house as well. And this second woman, she was like, so what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, my sister, she's saying nursing at Loma Linda, but I don't know. And this first woman, she's like, wait, did you say nursing at Loma Linda? And I was like, yes. And she's like, I'm a nurse from Loma Linda. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And she's like, if you go, I will sponsor you myself. Wow. And I was like, excuse me? She was like, yeah. She's like, I will sponsor your education. I've been wanting to do this. Thanks. And I was like, yeah. mind blown. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. Now, bear in mind, she actually didn't end up sponsoring me. 
But I praise the Lord because that actually led for God to answer prayers in even more powerful ways. And he was going to show me how to lean on him even in financial financial restraints, I want to say, or straits. Financial trials. So God was going to show me how he was going to deliver me from those. My second... Um, my second experience occurred while I was actually in Loma Linda. I applied to only Loma Linda, and I got in, by God's grace. And um, I think this was my second quarter. I was canvassing again. And I was like, Lord, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I cried my first quarter of nursing. I cried my second quarter of nursing. I cried throughout the program. And I was just like, Lord, I don't think this is for me. I don't think you know what you're doing here, but, you know... I'm going to trust you. And I was like, Lord, I just, I need you to really, like, are you sure? We have time. We have time for me to leave. This is only the second quarter. And I was canvassing, and I recognized the territory as territory I had canvassed two years prior. And people started to look familiar. The houses did. And they recognized me, too. But there was one particular woman. And I was like, hi, you know, I remember you. And she's like, yeah, I remember you, too. I was like, yeah, what did you end up buying for me? I know you bought something. She's like, I bought a cookbook and a Doug Bachelor DVD. And it's with my family. I don't even know where it is now. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. And I was like, well, how are you doing? It's been two years. And she was like, well, I don't know if you know this, but when you were with me, I had stage three breast cancer. And you had prayed for God for healing. She's like, and the next day I went to the doctor and the cancer was gone. Wow. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> mind blown again. And I was like, okay, Lord, we're staying in the medical field. Amen. So Amen. God, when you ask him to show you his will for your life, he will. And you might have to go kicking and screaming into a position you never wanted to go into. But God knows you better than you know yourself. Amen. And I love nursing. I wouldn't want any other profession. It has been a blessing, and God has been continually leading. Amen. So I want to just, I want to tell you that the principles you learn in canvassing are principles that you can apply even in your school life. Praying for a divine appointment at the door, pray for a divine appointment in your life for what to do for your life. But all of these things, like canvassing prepares you for every form of ministry, whether that be church or school or home or marriage, any of those things. By the way, if you wanted to go to the marriage seminar, it will be on Audioverse. Praise the Lord for Bill Crick. Okay. But let's talk about individuality. Now, what does it mean to follow the Lamb? I can say that all day, but really practically, what does that mean? I'm all about the practical. I don't want it to just sound nice. I want it to be something I can actually apply. So what does it mean to follow the lamb? Now, how do I share everywhere? Now, these are three principles I'm going to bring up for you individually. We're going to talk about how to go through school on a more group level. But for now, I want to go over it individually. There's about, it's about prayer, practice, and purpose. It says here in Mark 135, In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Do you think Jesus was busy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, saving the world can get pretty busy. <laughs> but he still had time to pray and have that personal time with God. Same with us, friends. Like, we can get so busy, but it's about that prayer time. Even Mark 14, 38 says, Watch and be vigilant. Be sober to pray so you don't fall into temptation. I can't tell you how much it hurts to know how many friends of mine went to schools 
and lost their faith because they themselves were not grounded. They didn't have firm devotional lives. They weren't involved in ministry. I have friends that are atheists now and they were pastor's kids. Just because they're pastor's kids doesn't mean they don't need Jesus. I was a pastor's kid. So that should say something. But it means a lot to have that personal time. David last night was talking about having that well overflowing, and that can only overflow with time with God. But what about practice? Now, we're running out of time, so I'm going to go over these really quickly. I'm going to try to tone the nurse down because I was going to go over each one individually. We're not going to go do that. But when you're in school, take care of yourself. Please take care of yourself. Watch what you eat. Actually exercise. I struggle with that one. We're starting to run. By God's grace, we'll continue to run. Drink water. <laughs> sunshine. People get depressed because of lack of vitamin D. Friends, get your sunshine. Temperance. Don't study for eight-hour blocks and do nothing. Take breaks. Breaks are your friends. Breathe nice, clean air. Open windows. Sleep. It's better to sleep early and wake early. I had a, a regime. I would go to bed at 10 and wake up at 4 or 3. It's a doable, friends. It's actually quite nice. But also, trust in God. That is so vital because none of these are going to really make a difference unless you actually trust in God to make these principles applicable to your life. And lastly, it says here, Brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had an education. Paul was quite reputable. But yet he says, I count it all but lust, but the high calling of God in Christ. Friends, school is a priority, but your relationship with God is even more so. Make sure to keep your eyes on the prize. And as you do so, people will be drawn to you. I can't tell you how many times people are like, Priscilla, we know that you pray. I'm like, really? When did you see me pray? Or they'll be like, we know that you're in a group that does great things. We're like, we, we are. But like, people understand when they look at you and they look at the people that you are with, it makes a difference. It says here, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. God wants to change your life, but that starts here, friends. And as you're getting educated, don't miss out on a proper education with Jesus. And so as you're doing evangelism, you can do it as a group, but right now we're just going to focus on you and in your individual life as well. Because so many times we're like, we must be in a group and this must take off, but we neglect our own personal walk. Don't neglect that. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.